0: There is a party going on right here. Hello, everybody. My name is David Quadrelli, and I am joined by Chris Faber, and it is time to celebrate. Chris, how are you feeling after that big win for the Vancouver Canucks to take a 2 0 series lead over those St. Louis Blues and more importantly, over Jordan Bennington.
1: That felt good. That felt good. Almost like that transition you just did from our intro song and to celebrate there. Thank DJ you. quads on the ones and twos. That was awesome. Um Huge game. Overtime win for the Vancouver Canucks after they give up a goal with 6.4 seconds left. You know, when that happens to a team, a lot of the times that's that's the end of it right there. But um, this Canucks team is now up 2-0 in their series against the defending Stanley Cup champions. I'm not really sure where to start, you know? It let's was start, a, it was an incredible game, start to finish.
0: Let's start with that goal. Was it a high stick? Were you, were you watching this game and saying, yep, that was a high stick? Or were you saying, no, there was no way. There's no way that's a high stick?
1: Well... I was in the middle. Like, it was close. It okay. was definitely close, but I don't think it was a high stick. No. Okay,
0: yeah. So, here's the thing. Like, I was watching with my brother, uh, and he was like, oh, high stick for sure. And he said that after the first angle. And I said, no, there's no way. Like, that's under the bar. That's not a high stick. Uh, you know, just because he was coming down, right? And I think you have to look really closely at where he made the contact. Also, unbeknownst to me at first, that was Jaden Schwartz' goal. I don't know if they yeah. gave it to him, but, yeah, it went off of him uh, after... Perron deflected it, and I mean David Perron's pissed off every Canucks fan in Vancouver, it seems like, with his play in this series. But you know who's been really good in this series? Is Bo freaking
1: Horvat. Yeah, we can start there with Bo Horvat, uh, because that's where he started and finished with the Vancouver Canucks today. That that performance from Horvat was unreal. From start to finish, everywhere on the power play at five on five. Bo Horvat looked incredible. I mean, I don't know where this like I've always seen little flashes of these yep. kind of skills from Bo Horvat. But he's, he was always, like, one step away from pulling these moves off. The but bow
0: drag! We... I keep tweeting about it! The bow drag! We <laughs> now never that we're seeing see it, it,
1: though, like, we're seeing something in the playoffs click where Bo Horvat's able to finish these moves. And, Absolutely. you know, we've heard players talk about this in practice and say, like, Bo Horvat's one of the most talented guys you'll see in practice. And we got to see him at training camp. Like, he is. He's extremely talented. Like, his hand-eye is amazing. Um, I saw him doing some sort of drills with Antoine Roussel at training camp. Roussel could barely make contact with a puck. Horvat was touching it every single time. So I'm 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 blown away from watching Bo Horvat. right. He might be the hottest player in the NHL right now. Oh, absolutely. I think he leads everybody in the play in series or sorry, in
0: the postseason. I think he's tied with Connor McDavid, who can't add to his goal total right now. I think he's is doesn't he have six goals total now?
1: Yeah, he's got
0: four in his last two, and I think he had two against the Wild. Six goals. This this performance here, like people are throwing out the Kessler comparison, Ryan O'Reilly. Actually, I saw somebody say, oh, chill, he's not Ryan O'Reilly. And it's like, yeah, he's better. He's Wayne freaking Gretzky. And I I saw (laughs) that tweet. That was very, very funny. But here's the thing about Bo Horvat, right, is, you know, this is a guy that doesn't complain He's been given the chance to complain by Coach Green. No, I'm going back now. Uh, this is at the start of this season. Travis Green's asked about Bo Horvat's wingers. You know, you bring in JT Miller. They had Michael Furland. The idea at the time was Michael Furland was going to play with Elias Patterson and Brock Besser. Obviously that's not what happened. So the question posed to coach green was, you know, Bo Horvat finally has some wingers. Now it appears like he'll be able to have JT Miller on his wing. You know, how important is it for you to give Bo those good wingers? And green's answer was, yeah, very important. Uh, you know, I gave him a chance to complain about it and, you know, Like, Green was welcoming it. He wanted Bo to let him know his frustrations of, you know, having to play with Antoine Roussel for 20-plus games, having to play with Louis Erickson, right? And now, you know, they go out, get Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson comes in. He looks like a great winger for Bo right from the get-go. That proves true this season. You once called him a fourth-liner. We won't hold you to that. But what a series that Bo Horvat has put together. And you look at it, he's got Louis Erickson on his wing. And it's like... Man, if you replace Louis Erickson with Tyler Toffoli and Bo's playing the way he is right now, how much more dangerous does that make the Canucks? Because by the way, he's coming back. Toffoli's going to come back eventually. He's going to come back in this in this playoffs in these playoffs if the Canucks move on. And you know, they're they were the away team in those first two games. Pedersen line got hard matched by O'Reilly. Now, the Canucks get to dictate the matchups, and I wonder what they'll be able to do there. Yeah, we'll get into the man. Patterson
1: line in a bit here because it's been a tough run for them. But just seeing what Horvat's doing right now, does it not remind you of what Ryan O'Reilly did last playoffs? Like, how nuts was Ryan O'Reilly last playoffs? Yeah. Like, he was ridiculous. He won games single handedly for the Blues. And I think Horvat's starting to do a similar thing. Horvat won 20 of 29 face offs tonight. He's absolutely incredible. One of the only lines on the Vancouver Canucks that had a positive shot share. That line, man. I I don't know what it is about Louis Louis. Erickson. I don't know what it is about him. Like, he's not putting up points. He's not, like, making great defensive plays. But the thing that Louis Erickson seems to always do is just get the puck out of the blue line. Like, a lot of Canucks players, they struggle in their defensive zone. All you got to do is clear the puck out of the blue line. Then the other team has to reset or re-come into your zone. Louis Erickson always seems to get it out. And I think that's a huge reason why the the Canucks are having success with that line is because... Louie Erickson wasn't great in the offensive zone today, like at all, but Horvat scored his goals off the rush. And I just think that he was, he was unstoppable tonight. He looked like a captain on a mission to take his young team. And that's something that you, that you hear these young guys talk about is like Horvat's the perfect captain for this team. Cause they have a mix of young guys and it makes older veterans. And it, it seems like, it just seems like Horvat's going to lead them in the battle every single time. And we're seeing a little bit of struggle from that Pedersen line right now at five on five, though. They're still coming up real good on the power play, but I don't know, Horvath's just a man on a mission right now. I think he's, you know, he's playing like the hottest player in the NHL, which is insane, and the Canucks are up 2 nothing because of it, so it's it's crazy. Four goals in the first two games, first two playoff games now for the Canucks, and I, I, I don't know what else to say about Bo Horvath. He's been excellent. You asked me what it is about Louis. You just tossed me a softball. You tossed me a meatball
0: right down the middle. Cool. You know what it is? The little things. That's exactly what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, but it tell is. me the little things. Yeah, so it's getting the puck out of your own zone. It's being responsible defensively. It's breaking up offensive plays, you know, as they're happening. You know what I mean? Like, Louis has just looked, you know, I'll give you he didn't look great tonight. He didn't look fantastic. He looked great in the first game. He looked good against the Wild. That's, you know, I wrote it in the mailbag this week. Like, if Tofoli's healthy, like, I think they're going to give a long look of whether or not Louis Erickson should be
1: coming off that line. Well, did you see tonight, or yeah, I guess if you hear this, on Friday night, they had the Mc- they had McEwen playing on that line they for did. a certain time, especially yep. offensive zone faceoffs. McEwen we're going to talk about later because I thought he was really good in his limited time. But to stick on Louis Erickson, I just I feel like it's like he's helping definitely in the defensive zone. Like he helps when that line's in a matchup role. But looking at what they're getting to play right now, you're seeing the Pedersen line go up against the O'Reilly line, which is probably their top line, right? You're seeing him go against against the O'Reilly line. They're having good. They're they're having they're having a good matchup for Horvat because of what Patterson's dealing with right now. So now that Horvat's going up against another second line, he's not hard matched against the best line. Like we had to see him do all season long. And that's really opening the door for him to just play like a second line center, you know, play against players that are at his level around the NHL. And he dominates as a second line center right now. So like, there's nothing else you can really say. Tanner Pearson's been so good too. I mean, that you know, the power play goal that obviously wasn't a part of him with Horvat. That was Pedersen just making one of the nicest saucer passes I've seen all season long, if not in a long time. And Pearson's playing very well. He's skating. He's skating fast. Like, like he's skating a lot faster than I've ever seen Pearson skate. So that line together as a whole, I'm just, I'm enjoying every second of watching them when they're on the ice because they seem to be the best line for the Vancouver Canucks right now. So
0: I pose this question to you, Mr. Faber. Going into game three, the Canucks, you know, I briefly mentioned this. The Canucks are the home team. They get to dictate the matchups. I believe Travis Green was asked about this tonight by Daniel Wagner past to Bullis. He asked him, you know, Patterson's been getting... One of the
1: dirtiest poker players <laughs> you'll ever see. He's a bully. He's a bully He's a on bully. the poker
0: table. Holy cow. He took first all my played, money.
1: Yeah, first game we played with him online when the, when the quarantine was hitting... He steals all quads money quads is his first time ever playing poker and he's just bullying quads on the table as soon as he has all the cash. And yeah, Daniel Wagner, huge bully registered bully. I was crying on zoom. It's true. It was really sad. Anyways, I can't remember what I was saying. Oh yeah. So now
0: they're the home team. They get to dictate the matchups a bit. Do you think that Travis green walks away from the Pedersen line being against O'Reilly or do you think that's a matchup where green just says, no,
1: like eventually the Pedersen line is going to just outplay them. You would think that, but you would also think that the Pedersen line would have registered a shot in two games. You would. They have not registered a shot at 5-on-5, five five, which is insane for me to think about. And I saw them, you know, they had a couple times where they got some attempts on, but the fact that they can't get a shot on Bennington yet... Kind of shocks me. It's not like they've been playing bad. You know, like, I feel like they've... They look dangerous. They look dangerous in the offensive zone, but there's something just not clicking to get shots off. Maybe they're doing too many one passes, you know, like, just one too many passes, I mean. And I think they look really good on the power play, obviously. You know, like, there's no problem with the way that they're playing. It just seems like this matchup is just horrible for them right now. And it was throughout the season as well. You know, like, this is a matchup that they had a trouble with, like, throughout the year. And this was, this was something that was known was going to come. So I wonder if Travis Green does want to do something. Because you, you mentioned it. Like, Wags asked that question today. And Green knew. that He's like, you know, it's it's not our change. Like, we don't have last change. We Like, he didn't even want to comment on it into game three. But he's definitely aware of that the other team was making that matchup yeah. and that the, the Pedersen line wasn't having success. So we didn't see a lot of matchups between Horvat and O'Reilly. And when we did, we saw it late in the game there in the third period. Those face-offs, they were intense. Like, the one that O'Reilly broke Horvat's stick on. Uh, and then a huge battle between those guys uh before O'Reilly won that one as well. But watching those two guys go up against each other, like there's it's just something about the way that O'Reilly exploded onto the scene last year. Like I feel like Horvat's doing that right now.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like, I think if the con Smythe was given out right now in well, this series, <laughs> two games it It's it Horvat for yeah. sure. But you take in you take into account the play in series, like Horvat's Undeniably been the Canucks MVP so far, and that's a sentence I never thought I'd say. He, you know, when we talk about the MVP of this team, there's four guys who get brought up. I have not heard one person say that Bo Horvat was the Canucks regular season MVP. He wasn't. True, but now all of a sudden, right? Like he is, and you know, you got to hand it to Jacob Markstrom too, who was not the Canucks regular season MVP. I've made the case multiple times that to be Elias Pettersson, facts don't lie. Yes, they don't. So it is Elias Pettersson. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but. No, seriously, Bo Horvat has been fantastic at both ends of the ice. Like, as soon as he touches the puck, there's just an aura, right? And you can feel it through your TV screen. You know, we're all watching these from home, except for Thomas Drance right now, who's tweeting out every swear word that is played. Wait, do we still have that button? Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drance. Yeah, he didn't answer. He didn't answer. But yes, Thomas Drance, tweeting out all the swear words. Shout out to him. But I've been very impressed with Bo Horvat, I must say. And I mean, you know, if you walk away from that matchup, right, and Bo Horvat's all of a sudden matching up against the Ryan O'Reilly line, you know, trying to let Elias Petterson feast on a bit of a weaker competition, you know, maybe Bo Horvat's production takes a bit of a dip. But then if you're getting goals from Elias Petterson, I don't really think you're complaining.
1: Do you know what that O'Reilly line had for the shot share this game? No. This Friday night, the shot share they had ten shots for and zero shots against. Ooh. I mean, that's, you know, that's, they had numbers like that throughout the season against the Vancouver Canucks as well. So, do you have to limit that at a certain point? Because you can rely on Jacob Marks from bailing you out, and he's been able to bail them out in a lot of situations. You cannot win games when their best line is playing 12 minutes of five on five, controlling 83% of the attempted shots, and out shooting you 10 to nothing. So, you do have to make an adjustment at some point. I wonder if the adjustment is now, you know, now the Canucks are home ice. I think that you should go with the Horvat line against that line. Because it's, it's not like like the Horvat line's been good at 5-on-5, five five, but it's not like they're dominating every single shift. You know, right now the Ryan O'Reilly line is dominating every single shift that they're on the ice right now. And maybe if you free up the lotto line to go against some weaker competition like the Braden Shen line perhaps, like maybe that does open up the door a little bit. And the line that you're probably going to go against is Shen, Bozak, and Tarasenko. I like the lotto line against that line because, yeah, they're going to score goals, you know, like, that line's going to be able to score goals. The Shen, Bozak, Teresanko, they're going to get going at some point in this series. that thats a they're, they're too skilled to be kept off the score sheet for this long. But I do like them and their defensive zone against a lot of lines. So I, I would think Travis Green would want to go for that approach in game three and four. Yeah, I don't think you're too far off with that at all. But you know what's really
0: going to hurt the Canucks when it comes to maybe the Blues penetrating their goaltender and figuring it out? Is Tyler Myers going down? And that's something I think we got to oh. talk about because, man, as of right now, Travis Green did not give an update. Given the COVID bubble, you know, protocols, we're not going to hear anything. We're yeah. not going to know if it's a shoulder injury. That's that's what I think it is. Uh, I think if it was head, he wouldn't have skated off like that uh, under his own power. Yeah, it looked like shoulder. It looked just to like, me like shoulder. He didn't move his left way. side. Yeah, so you hope it's minor and just a just a couple bruises, whatever. A but stinger. Exactly, but all Travis Green said in his post-game media availability on Friday night was, you guessed it, unfit to play. And the way he said it was, yeah, he's unfit to play, and he's going to be unfit to play until he's back in the lineup. And you kind of make the assumption that's all we're going to hear and that's all the information we're going to get. You know, it's a sad state of affairs that we don't know uh, what it is or how long a player is going to be out for. We still don't know what's going on with Adam Gaudet, but he's continuing to be said to be unfit to play. He's not a healthy scratch. Uh, Neither is Tyler Toffoli. He's taking warm ups. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he is a healthy scratch then. Yeah. So they've stopped saying unfit to play. Yeah, Godet's okay. not unfit. This is he's, good. he's a healthy scratch. Okay, Same yes. with Yo Levy today, Oh, you're right, you're right. Yes. I, yeah, Godet. Man, Godet almost looked like he was going to play in that game, eh? Uh,
1: game 1? Tell you what, we can get into that later, but Godet maybe is going to hop in the lineup here pretty soon. But yeah, to talk about Tyler Myers, if this injury is anything like a shoulder like like shoulder injuries last a pretty long time, you know. Like it's not like you get you either have a little stinger and you come back and play. Or a shoulder injury keeps you out for a pretty long time. So I, I am worried about this situation. I mean, Tyler is a big body. He goes in with a lot of force into the boards. This could be a rough situation. And and having Jordy Ben now able to come and jump into your lineup is huge. If Jordy Ben's going to come in and play on the right side, like at least the Canucks have that guy there. And then aside from that, I mean, this is when you're going to start to get down to it. It's Broken Rafferty and Ole Levy next. So, oh. <laughs> um, you know, this is what the Blues team's going to do. They're going to come in on your forecheck hard. They're going to hit your defenders. They're going to wear you down. They did that every single series last playoffs. It's what got them wins. So I expect them to bring it even more in game three. I thought they, I didn't think they stepped up their physicality as much as I thought they were going to. I thought they were going to get a little frustrated and and try and, you know, add an extra little hit on certain plays. And Petrangelo got frustrated a couple times with Tyler Mott, who had an unreal game. Tyler, Tyler Mott's had an unreal postseason. unreal 19 minutes today, played two more minutes in Elias Patterson. Um, you watch Tyler Watt out there, and then yeah, Petrangelo is punching him on the back of the head, him and piss him off. You're a fourth line guy, and you're doing that to their captain. Well, like, well done. Like, have yourself a day. That's that's exactly what you want to see a guy, and like you're Tyler paid like one. Exactly. And <laughs> This is why I love Tyler Mott, man. But like, I just there's there's something to worry me about what's going to happen to this defense core, especially if the Blues step it up. And I didn't think they stepped it up enough. You know, like no, they got a feast on Troy Stetcher having to play more
0: minutes. They have right. got a feast on Chris Tanev playing. You know, like what was it like, seventeen minutes in the third and OT? I think that was his total final yeah. minutes.
1: Yeah, maybe that's that might be a little high for me to understand. But I, I maybe think it was like thirteen, maybe thirteen. Yeah, but I think that what you're gonna see is you saw Craig Berube talk about it, and he was. Frustrated with what his team did with their sticks in game one, and they were better in game two. They didn't take as many penalties. There's there's a bunch of really bad calls in this game though. Um, but Craig Brouwer probably pretty happy with how his team, you know, battled back. But the Canucks haven't been trailing this whole series yet. In two games, they haven't been trailing for one minute. So they got to be pretty excited with how they're playing. Um, the St. Louis Blues are obviously like counterpunching pretty strongly. When the Canucks score, the Blues score right after, or yeah. you know, they'll have a lead for a little bit. Um, but they seem to bounce back pretty hard. And, yeah, the Canucks haven't been trailing this whole time, and I think that the Blues are going to step it up uh, on this four-check coming up here. I would be worried going into game three to see what this Blues team is going to bring because they obviously saw, like, hey, if we wear down this defense core, we just took out their biggest giant, you know, we can probably wear down these little guys like Quinn Hughes and Troy Stetcher. You know, like, we can probably wear down these guys a little bit easier. And I just I, – I think that the Blues – I was expecting them to be very physical here in game two, and they just kinda weren't. Like they there was a little bit of stuff off the start. Obviously the fight um, you know, with Sanford and Zach McCune was something that they were trying to get them going. But I, I just didn't see the the blues team that I saw in the playoffs last year absolutely running through every single defense core that they played against. So I think that's in the blues team still, and I'd be worried looking into game three if that's what they turn it on. Man, I'm thinking about
0: this series and I just yeah. Man, it's going to be interesting. And I think, you know, it's crazy because as much as everybody was ragging on Tyler Myers for taking all those penalties, he was quite legitimately having the best game of his postseason by far last night or tonight, I guess, Friday night, we're recording this. He was having by far the best game. He was moving the puck well. He was moving his feet well. He was making the right decisions away from the puck and with the puck. Everything you want to see from a defenseman, the gap control, which is something Tyler Myers struggles with so much, so often, right? Just waving his stick around, you know, no gap control. But tonight, man, he looked great. He was, you know... It's it, it's a bold statement, but I think, you know, obviously other than Quinn Hughes, he was their best defenseman for most of that night. While he was healthy, he was their best defenseman. Yeah, I'd and say. you
1: saw a couple of real bad giveaways. Troy Stetcher had the one rate right to Vladimir. That, was, that was one on the of the slot. worst I've ever seen. They said it kind of slipped off his stick, but you could see like he made that pass and he just, oh, the look in his yeah. eyes was just like, oh, swear word. Um, like he wasn't happy about that. So, and then Alex Edler obviously gives up the one to Sammy Bly. Or play, whatever. Never heard of this idiot. But um, he, he comes in and goes to the backhand over Jacob Markstrom. So a tough, tough couple of plays there for those two defenders who have been pretty damn good. And that pairing's been pretty good together. Now we're going to have to see. Like Tyler Myers wasn't used in a top four minutes in this game. He was playing with Oscar Fantenberg. He got a couple of shifts alongside Quinn Hughes uh, at certain points in that game because he was playing good. And I think that's what Travis Green wanted to do with him. But it's it's not like you're really ripping apart your top four, losing Tyler Myers even, you know? Like, you're still going to have Alex Edler and Troy Stetcher as your second pairing. You're still going to run Hughes out there a lot, which, by the way, Hughes didn't play a lot of minutes um, in this game. I think he – I think it was like 17 five-on-five minutes going into into overtime. So, didn't play a lot. You needed to see him in overtime, and he did, obviously, when he made that ridiculous bounce pass. 150 feet up the ice, off the boards. Horvat catches him in stride, and you could just see, like – when that pass was made and Horvat had the step, everybody, like I knew it was over. I was standing up to go write the post game at that point. Huh. I want to know what, he, what Stetcher said to Bozak there. Hey, eh?
0: you know, at the end there, when Bozak put him down and Quinn Hughes had just made the pass, he was laying down on the ice watching the goal go in. He <laughs> stood up and he, he went on one knee, grimaced a little. Yeah. But he said something to Bozak. And I, don't, I want to know what he said. It's probably just like, yeah, that,
1: he's like, that's that's pretty sick, man. And then he's yeah, probably like exactly. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> that's the most Hughes thing. It would be like, okay. See you Sunday.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to say anything else. But that's, <laughs> that's probably something that he said. Oh, um, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, no, I think that, um, you know, Quinn Hughes had to step over overtime. He did. He looked good in overtime. Like, I don't know. Did you get the feeling going into overtime that they just they weren't going to lose? Even after giving up a, a goal with six seconds Chris
0: left? Chris was on the ice. Of course they weren't going <laughs> to <Yeah>.
1: lose. <laughs> Dad wasn't going to let his
0: kids down there. Not a chance. And, and uh, Bo Horvat, too. You know, you've yeah. got to give it to Bo Horvat, man. What uh, a series this guy's what's, having.
1: What's going on with the Pedersen line that's, that's not clicking then? Because, I mean, like, they're five on five. They look great. Their shots are getting off. Pedersen, you know, rang one off the bar in game one. I thought the power play was okay. I think they only had three attempts tonight. But, um, you know, I thought they looked fine. Uh, I thought they looked pretty good. I actually scored a goal with Tanner Pearson, but, you know, nothing crazy, but they didn't have a lot of time. I mean, the St. Louis Blues had 8 minutes and 18 seconds of power play time in the second period. Like, the second period was a bad one for the Canucks just because of how many penalties were taken. But I, what is it? What's what's going on with the O'Reilly line that's not letting Patterson and company get to the net? I think
0: you're right about the one-too-many-passes thing, but one thing I want to mention is that the St. Louis Blues defense is really good. Like, we we haven't talked about it a lot, but not Jordan, on the rush. On the rush, they're getting no, burned. No, sure, fair enough. But the O'Reilly line's not letting the, the right. Patterson line get much
1: off the rush, right? Yeah. I so, think what you're saying is the forward group in the defensive zone for the Blues is it's tight. That's, yeah. that's tight. Yeah.
0: So not only that, but I think we're underestimating and not talking about enough, like just how bad Jordan Bennington's been in mm. this series. Like, reach man, he's nervous. been he. Yeah, he looks nervous, and you know, you know, everybody likes to rag on the guy, which I, which I'm totally here for, but. Like, nobody's talking about just how bad he is. Like, if Bennington's just okay, this is a much closer series. There's no way the Canucks are up 2 0. No way. Like, and I think Jake Allen's game three starter. You think so? Oh, yeah, I think so. Well, they lit up Jake Allen last time they faced him. Yeah, well, they've been,
1: you know, lighting up Jordan Bennington pretty good as well. I mean, you look at the shot. 17 saves tonight? Something like that. It wasn't great. I mean, like, seeing seeing what Bennington did compared to what Marstrom did, like, Markstrom was really good again tonight. And I just think that, you know, you see what Bennington's supposed to do. He had a really good season, man. Like, all in all, he had a pretty strong season. And, yeah, the Canucks fired 25 shots on him tonight. 21 of 25 dude that's really really well even seeing the numbers of him going in he's got like an 857 save percentage in the postseason so far yeah i would i would not be surprised at all i would be more surprised if you see jordan Bennington in for game three i think they have to go with jake allen here because jake allen wasn't horrible for the blues all year long he's a he's a solid backup goaltender
0: and it's worth mentioning uh he did start their last round robin game and performed quite well i think they they lost No T to Dallas, yeah, yeah. but he did perform pretty okay. well, as far as I know. I didn't yeah, watch I just, the game. I didn't the think, whole thing.
1: No, they, they switched halfway through because I was watching that game. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean that. Um, like, it's gonna be Jake Allen, I think. I don't you think, think that's, so. I don't think it's not gonna be like uh, they can't go back to to Bennington after I think what they he's will. done so far. I really. think they will. I really do. Because you make a move at three zero, it's kind of over. You got to make a move now if you're gonna make a move. Do you think they think that the goaltending's the issue? I think it's it not is helping them. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely not. not helping
0: them win games. I wouldn't be surprised if they but, make that move at but, all. but are you confident that your cup winning goaltender, Jordan Bennington can figure it out and have a Jordan Bennington like performance and carry his team through the series? Or are you, are you pressing the panic button? Are you saying like, I think really this is what it comes down to. Are you confident that Jordan Bennington can bounce back in a big way after two rough starts Or do you think it's time to go to
1: the veteran netminder? Yeah, as a second-year goaltender, like, yeah, he won you the Stanley Cup, and he won all 16 games for you, so it's up to the coach at this point. Like, he probably, you know, he probably still does have some faith in him, but sometimes it's not just about the goaltender, too, right? Like, sometimes it's about the team and saying, like, okay, like, Bennington has let the team down in the first two games. Yep. You know, maybe he's, like, sparked the team a little bit by putting in a Jake Allen, right? I think that might be the approach that they're going with here. But it's just... The Canucks, like, overall, were were pretty hard, like, pretty hardcore outplayed at 5-on-5 five five. again. They were outshot, and Jacob Markstrom was excellent. I mean, some of the saves that he made, even in overtime, a couple of great saves. But he was, st- like, he was strong in net. You know, he wasn't giving up bad rebounds. And I don't think Binnington's been too bad at giving up rebounds. He's just let in some, like, in some bad spots. And then yep. you look at the goals that got past Markstrom today. You know, O'Reilly, that one's a tough one. They like maybe want to get on that one, but that's off the post and in. That's a tough one. Sammy Blyes was, was, you know, what great you move do? to the backhand. Yep. You can't do that. It's a bad giveaway. And then the final one, David Perron off, or off of Schwartz, I guess, Schwartz's goal, cool. you know, that's a tip. And it's like Jacob Marston was solid in every single normal shot, like every single open face shot that he had today. Like he he was good. And I think if he keeps that up, the Canucks will have no problem winning this series.
0: And I think, you know, you bring up those goals is a perfect segue into our next topic. And I really want to talk about the officiating in that game. And, you know, I made, I think, I was thinking while this game was on, like, can media members get fined by the NHL? Because my comments about the officials were if the Canucks lost this game, we're going to be much, much
1: worse than Rod Brindamore's, let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, Travis Green held back a little bit in the post game, mentioning it when J-Pat asked him about that. Exactly,
0: which which was smart by Green. There's no sense giving... All right, so let's start yeah. with
1: it. I mean, once again, it looks like Peron's getting away with a lot. You know, Peron's still getting a lot of yep. stuff in there. The stuff that I mentioned earlier about Petrangelo on Tyler Mott, that was bad, but the big one has to be the ridiculous... Double minor to Jay Beagle after the hit in the back to Brandon Sutter.
0: So hit to the back of Brandon Sutter. Okay. Beagle comes in to fight the guy. The other guy dropped his gloves. Okay. As did Beagle. The two guys dropped their gloves. Then a guy from the Blues, again, I'm saying a guy because I don't care what these guys' names are. I wasn't watching that closely, comes in behind Beagle and is the third man in. When two people drop their gloves and a third guy comes in, we call that third man in. Yeah. Okay. You can't do that. And somehow Jay Beagle's the one that walks away. So you away. have the third
1: man in, you have the hit in the back. Exactly. And somehow, and somehow, Jay Beagle gets the double minor out of it, which is ridiculous. And then you have up scoring. And then they score. Goal. And then they score. Which is oh like, oh my gosh. You just, you know, like you know how a hockey game goes. When that kind of call gets called, you know the team's going to score in the power. Yep. Play. You just and, know it's going to happen. And you know what? Here's the thing. When
0: Myers went down, there was no call. You know, we can debate that hit all you want. No, it, was, it wasn't dirty at all. I don't think it was dirty. No, I don't. But, I'm surprised Myers didn't get a penalty for that. You well, know, yeah. given how the freaking officiating has gone <laughs> in this series. And I mean, you know, it's like you, you know, you, I've told you this many times. It's really hard for me to feel like a fan, right? When watching this team and, you know, my fandom has definitely turned down since I've started, you know, in the media and everything like that. It's it's just hard to, right? When it's like your job and it's what you do, it's, it's hard to be a fan. But when you're watching a team give it their all, like the Canucks are right now, you can't help but be happy, man. You watch the Scott Rhodes celebrations. You watch what the <laughs> effect is on your friends, your family. My friends that haven't watched the Canucks for years are texting me yeah. and saying, hey, like, can you tell me about this player? And of course I can. I This is my job. This is what I do. Like, you know, this is what we do. We know a lot about this team and we follow them very closely. And it's like, it's hard to be a fan. But when you watch stuff like that, you feel for the guys on the team, you know, guys we've interacted with now. We, we talk to these guys in the locker room. We've talked to them on Zoom multiple times. You feel for them, right? Like when an official is just, or an official, when officiating is that bad, where somehow Beagle's the one that gets the double minor. And then if you dare criticize the league's officiating, you get a $25,000 fine. $25,000.17 cents it was, or $25,017. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Anyway, it's just broken. It's a broken system. Like, instead of taking a coach going out and saying, the league's not doing their freaking job like Torts did back in, what was it, like seven months ago now? Mm-hmm. You get Rod Brindamore saying that. And if if the Canucks lost tonight, you bet your ass Travis Green is doing that
1: would have had to and i think that something must have been said um from the canucks management or whatever they have to do to deal with the league they said something in the wild series because after game one you know we started to see some of those calls get called and the thing is like i don't think the refs are against the canucks like i don't think they're against the no canucks. i think they're bad all I over i think the place. they did a bad job in that game too i think that because what you saw was like, I might be wrong, but I think it was six power plays yeah, for, it was for St. Six, Louis. Six, three, I So believe. six, yeah. Six for them, three for them. You would see them try and balance it out. If they knew that they messed up, they would, like, try and balance it out a little bit for the Canucks and give them a few more power plays. But they didn't because they were just doing a bad job yep. in this game. Maybe they're worn out. Maybe these referees are doing too much games, sure. too many games. I don't but know. But
0: here's my point, Chris. They, instead of instead of being like, wow, Okay, now we've heard this from a few coaches. Every fan on Twitter of every team has complained about refs. Every, you know, you can't take that at value because every fan's going to complain about. Yeah, I'm going to say that
1: doesn't mean much. Exactly,
0: but it's egregious at this point, right? And instead of looking at it and saying, "Wow, maybe we need to do a review of our officiating system. Maybe we need to fix some stuff," you know, for example, I bring up the Rod Brindamore incident. That is BS. And for those that don't know, basically what happened was Rod Brindamore was told he could challenge a call. And he was like, what am I challenging for? Goaltender interference? Or what was the other thing? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. It was one of one the other. And the refs didn't tell him. They were like, no, you pick, you challenge for one. He's like, well, what's the call? And they wouldn't tell him. Mm. That is so Bush league.
1: It's dumb. Yeah. And
0: instead of meeting with those refs and saying, Hey, like, you know, maybe we've got to tell a coach what the call on the ice is before he challenges. Instead, they're like, "No, shut up, coach. Here's a twenty five thousand dollar fine. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's your answer? Is just fine? Everybody who talks bad about us, like, oh my gosh, oh I. Anyways, I yeah, think we no, I think that, break.
1: yeah, I think that you know that's is it, It's tough to see in a game, but at the same time, like you know, it's gonna happen. Yep. you know, obviously we have to talk about it because it was pretty bad. There was there was mom, there were moments that were ridiculous. The, I couldn't believe people like, got a double. That was or? that was egregious. That was horrible. That was a a disgusting officiating effort uh, by the referees in that one because that is just ridiculous. I mean, it, you look at what the NHL is trying to do and trying to get rid of these hits. That was a not like a prime example, but that was the example of right before you're going to start to use that as a prime indication of what a hit in the back is. Like, that's the borderline of it. Those are the hits that you're trying to take out of the game. Sam, was it Sammy Bly who hit him too? Blay, yeah. Whatever. I don't care. I don't don't correct me on how to pronounce uh, Sammy Bly's name. Late. Anyways, he like he's the type of player that does this often. You know, like I don't know. You want these type of players to stop doing these type of hits. And if you're gonna give Beagle a double minor and only penalize this guy for roughing, can oh. you even get a penalty for the check in the back? It was roughing no, that they didn't. gave yeah. Sammy Blue or oh whatever gosh. his name is. Sammy and Blue. Whatever. And it, yeah, it's it's a ridiculous call, but um I think that the Canucks, you know, They battled through it, and obviously they came out with a good finish. So, I don't know. We'll head to break here and uh, got some other stuff to dive into on the other side. But before we go to break, like, here's the
0: thing. Okay, never mind. You know that I'm not somebody that complains about refs. I think it's ridiculous how much people are, oh, the refs screwed us. Like, people, you overuse that so much. But if the Canucks lost tonight, the refs legitimately did screw them. Like, Legitimately, they'd have a case.
1: Yeah, for sure. And
0: I don't complain about refs. Like that's not something I do. I mm. I don't want to come across like I'm whining. Even though I know somebody's listening to this, being like, "Wow, could Quad's just shut up <laughs> about the refs." I get it. I get it. But I like it, tonight. It was just egregious to me. And I think if the Canucks lost, fans should have been really, really pissed. And I mean, you know, even
1: the other example that I just thought of was the cross check to Vertanen in the back. Yep. And then you know, Vertanen breaks his stick on a slash. Like that's yep. that's a penalty. But yep the fact that you're not going to call a cross check to the back that, you know, pretend it's a big boy and like it hit him pretty hard. Yeah. You know, like little things like that. You don't like the veteran team's going to do that. And if you are this young team and this Canucks team the NHL wants these young players to be so successful in the NHL. They need to address these things because you can't have an older team with guys like Alex Steen and David Perron who have been doing this for, you know, 10 15 years. They just that's not the way the NHL is anymore. You can't be getting away with these cross checks to the back or these interference calls or these extra things after the guy has missed the puck like I don't know. There there was a lot of little things that could have been called in this one and we've seen it in game 1. I thought there was more in game 1 uh but they actually called some of them in game 1. So I don't know. It was a lot uh a lot to handle and I hope some things change in game 3.
0: It's something we'll have to keep an eye on. Something interesting to note is that the refs are staying in the same hotels as the players, eh. So, you know, you see the see the ref in the hotel. Uh I've I've actually heard that there was an incident, not an incident, but you know, a ref was in the hotel explaining a call to a player, right? Uh-huh. Uh which is which is pretty funny just thinking about that like that spills over and here's, here's the protocol from the league. And I I can't remember where I heard this, but basically the, each team submits a list of the hotels that they're going to be staying at. And the league makes sure that they don't have the officials in the same hotels, right? So the officials never stay in the same hotels as players. It's just a league policy, but you know, obviously in the age of COVID league policies don't matter at all. Right. Um, so the the, the rules, baby, exactly. The refs are staying in the same hotels as the players. Um, so, you know what it's, it's it's an interesting dynamic i think it's pretty interesting do you know who else is staying in the hotels hello thank you for calling thomas Dran. that's right you should do a live parallel read i think you have to
1: okay parallel 49 beer yeah we don't have an ad queued uh, up in here. no we don't well parallel coming out with their summer beers right now they got a nitrous beer out there right now um And you can head down to 1950 Triumph Street. Oh, my gosh. That is where they are located. East Van location, Parallel 49 Beer. Check them out on all of their Instagram. They crush it on the Instagram. Also, shout out to AJ's Brooklyn Pizza. They have Parallel 49 Beer on tap. I've been crushing that pizza way too much, probably delicious pizza, but they got parallel on tap as well. If you want to learn more about parallel and their new beers, they crush it on their Instagram feed at parallel 49 beer on Instagram. Check them out on Twitter as well. Not as active, but we try and promote their beers on Twitter as well, but check them out on Instagram. That's at parallel 49 beer or head down to their brew house and street kitchen on 1950 triumph street. All right. Play the recorded ad now quads. No,
0: that's the wrong one. Where's the applause button? There it is. You blew it. What an ad read. What an ad read that I'll was. do the other one now. No, I'm not doing the pre-recorded one. I'm, I'm in the mood for oh, a live ad read. I'm one? doing a live Zephyr ad read. Zephyr Epic is your home for trading card games. They got Pokemon cards. They got NHL cards. They got NBA cards. You like big their,
1: on the magic cards too they right got now.
0: Magic right now as big well. On the magic. You a baseball fan? They got it for you. They're ready to go. This is this is a company that we have really enjoyed working with. Right before this, actually, we had another Hughes Hunting. And if you've been following this show for a decent amount of time, you know that we love working with Zephyr Epic. You know, Hughes Hunting is a big deal for us. And we pulled a one-of-one one card of Philip Boucher. Uh, we didn't know who that was. A one-of-one one card. This a is the only one. one ever printed. I love how this is an ad. But use promo
1: code CanucksConvo for
0: well, $5 you know off why your it's order. An ad
1: because the, the Zephyr packs are juiced. Absolutely. You They're you juice.
0: honestly should order some cards. Like now's a really
1: good time. They're going to be Oh, speaking of, they are about to release the 2020-21 season MVP cards because this is normally around the time in oh, the off season yeah, when they would yeah, start to yeah. get into that mood. You know, like the playoffs would be over right now. We'd yeah. be getting ready for training camp wow. pretty soon. They're about to release 2020 2021 MVP cards and believe it or not some of the rookies like Alexis Lafreniere possibly Oleo Levy I've been hearing rumors that they're going to be included in these packs as well. Wow. Go get some Olia Levy cards. So promo
0: code Zephyr zephyrepic.com that Z E P H Y R epic.com follow them on Instagram, Twitter and I think Twitch as well. Again, Twitch, yep. Zephyr Epic.
1: Z E Every Thursday they got a stream. P H Y R epic. On all platforms. I've cut you off three times. Say it one more time. (laughs) Zephyr Epic. Z-E-P-H-Y-R. Epic. On all platforms. All right. Let's never do live ads on the show again.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) I thought I killed that. Come on.
1: That's right. All right. Well, where are you going? You're hosting, man. What do you want? Oh, yeah. I
0: forgot I'm hosting. All right. We're
1: usually when we come back
0: from break, I have time to talk to Chris about our next topic. I'm fired up.
1: I got half my lemonade in me already.
0: Man, we should talk about Ollie (laughs) O'Levy. I'm okay. just kidding. I'm joking. We don't have to talk about all of you. about again. But we, again. You know what? No, we're not talking about Triumph. We again, do have saying. to talk about who comes in if Tyler Myers is out, right? Like, you know, Jordy Ben's probably going to be the one that slots in. But again, the guy hasn't played since what? Training camp? Yeah. D- did he even go to Edmonton? No, he did no. go to Edmonton. Yes, he did. Did he? He went to Edmonton, but he left right away. Yeah,
1: he didn't play in a game.
0: Yes, he... he okay, okay. Here's Jordy Ben's timeline from my memory. He goes to Edmonton. Doesn't play a game in the Minnesota series. He leaves before that series begins for the birth of his child. Congrats, by the way. Then he comes back. He's in Dallas for that, okay? With his fiance. Has, yeah, has the baby. And then he comes back from Dallas and he has to quarantine for four days. So he's not allowed to skate during these four days. Right. And he has to take a test every day. And he's not allowed to be around any of the other players. Correct. Okay. So he does that and he taking a test every day for those 4 days and all of the tests have to come back negative. My understanding is he passed that on Thursday morning. Skated today. Skated Thursday. Skated Thursday but was not available on Friday. Was he listed on the scratches?
1: I'm I mean, checking. You keep talking, but good question. I, mean, but I don't up. like yeah, I don't know if he was uh, available tonight. I I know that he I know that he skated with the team for the first time on Thursday yeah. or it could have been Friday morning. You might be right with that one. But um, I did see the Canucks. They tweeted out a picture of him coming back and uh, yeah, shout out to Jordan, uh, shout out to Bowman, um, you know, from trust the process. Um, by the way, when are they coming back? It's a good show. Anyways, Bowman, big supporter of Ben. Um, so yeah, we had to wait for him to see if he's coming back, but if he's an option on the right side, He's probably he's probably still is the best option. Like, unfortunately, like, don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Brogan Rafferty supporter. Obviously, I saw what he did in the AHL. I saw what he did in training camp, and it was too bad, so we didn't really see much of him. But I still think Jordy Ben's the best option to come in if Tyler Myers is out. So, official game lineup has Jordy Ben tonight,
0: or Friday night, listed as a scratch. So my understanding from looking at that is that Jordy Ben will be available for Game 3 against... The Blues. So, your pairing then becomes, what do you got? Edler, Stetcher, Hughes, Tanev, Fantenberg Ben. Yep. I just shuddered at that last pairing. Well. So, you got two left-handed guys, and Jordy Ben's going to have to play the right side. And for some reason. He's better. For some reason, he's better on the right side. But you know how much Travis likes his lefty-righty, right? Like, he loves to have that matchup. So, who's right. the next right-handed guy? Like Rogan Rafferty. I say it's Jalen Chatfield. Jalen Chatfield played, like, I think that Travis Green really likes him some Jalen Chatfield, right? And oh, man. on the first day of camp, you remember, or no, you don't. You were on the houseboat. But J- Jalen Chatfield was the guy. He was the first guy, right? And Brogan Rafford, he didn't have the best camp, From am being honest. Friend of the show. Great guy. But, you know, he didn't have the best camp. And Jalen Chatfield did have a pretty good camp. You know, I cannot stress enough how big the drop-off in ability is going to be from a Jalen Chatfield or a Brogan Rafferty from a Tyler Myers. Like, oh. you know, say what you want about Tyler Myers' contract. You know, he's paid six mil, sure. some Tonight he was playing like he earned it. Don't even come at me. I think he played he played well on Friday night. I'll I'll say that. But the drop-off in play from these guys is going to be huge. And you're going to need Troy Stetcher to really step up. And Troy Stetcher didn't have his best game Friday night. I thought he could have been a lot better. Uh, you know, game one had that beautiful goal that just a real heartwarming moment. And of course, if there's anybody who you trust to step up, it's Stetcher, right? Like the history this guy has of sliding into the top four whenever the Canucks have needed him to like, that's what to me makes Stetcher such a effective bottom pairing defenseman is like, he
1: can slide up when you need him to, and he can do it just fine. And that's the problem with what you're going to have losing Tyler Myers because you look at the way they're playing. I talked about this earlier. The top four isn't going to change, but the way that Travis Green has been using Tyler Myers is not as a bottom-pairing defenseman. Now what you're going to see, if it's Jordy Ben, if it's Brogan Rafferty, if it's Jalen Chatfield, he's not going to be able to use that guy in the same way that he's using Tyler Myers. He's go- he's going to have to use that as a bottom-pairing guy, and he's not going to bring up Fantenberg to play extra minutes. So what you're going to see is that top four just playing an absolute ton of minutes. You're going to probably have all four of those guys, you know, at least I'd say at least three of them over 20 minutes, probably all four of them are going to be over 20 minutes. Cause you're not going to want to play that third pairing very much when you do, when you don't have a Tyler Myers on there. Cause Tyler Myers is being used with Edler at times. He's being used with Quinn Hughes at times. If you slide even Jordy Ben, who's got, you know, NHL experience, he's not going to play that pairing a lot and he's not going to bring Jordy Ben up to go play with Edler or something, you know, like he's not yep. going to do what he did with Tyler Myers. So you're really going to see a lot more pressure put on to Detroit stature to be a, a you know a guy who can be in a top 4 for yep. sure. To give you an idea of what sheltered minutes
0: really looks like and the effect it has on other guys, right? Like in game 4 against the Minnesota Wild, Ollie Levy plays. He plays 6 minutes and 16 seconds off top of the dome, not a big deal. He plays 66 minutes and 16 seconds. That's Total ice time. You think he killed a minute 12 of penalty killing yeah. Um, off the top of the head. Checks man. out. Yeah, no big deal. Um, That made Quinn Hughes play 27 plus minutes. 27.33, I think it was, that he had to play. When Oscar Fentonberg's in the lineup, Fentonberg played a total of 12 minutes of ice time. That brought Hughes down to 23. Tonight, Hughes plays a lot less. He's got Fentonberg in the lineup. He still has to play a bit more in the third period, but they really relied on 10 of... Right in that third period, they relied on Tanev to really play a lot of minutes, play a lot of big minutes. So, when you look at the effect that having a pairing that you need to shelter a bit has, like there it is, right? It's about like a five, six minute difference. That's what it really comes down to.
1: That's a big swing in how much you're putting on a guy, especially against this team in the Blues. I mean, they're going to wear on you guys, right? I mean, yeah, I think the worst thing that would happen for me now. And I don't think it's going to happen because, you know, like Tra- you mentioned Travis Green, what does he He love? He loves a left-shot guy on the left side, a right-shot guy on the left side. But you know what he loves more than that is veteran players. So he's going to play Jordy Ben yep. over Rafferty and over Chatfield for sure. Yeah, I think so you're right. I think that what, what you're going to see from that pairing is, you know, seven to eight minutes, you know, six to eight minutes of five-on-five five time. You know, they're both going to kill penalties. Jordy Ben's going to have to kill penalties. Oscar Fantenberg's going to keep killing penalties because – I think that they would use Ben over Stetcher on the second penalty kill unit. Oh, for sure. So that, you're probably just going to see that pairing kill penalties be on the ice occasionally, but now you're putting a lot more pressure. Not like, Don't get me wrong. Putting the pressure on Hughes is, is tough because you're putting him out there. He's going to be out there for 26, 25 minutes a game, but you're also putting out Alex Edler and Tanev a yep. lot, You know, yep. guys who are blocking a ton of shots, playing a ton of minutes on the shorthanded penalty kill and now these guys are older veterans who don't have a body that can bounce back like Quinn Hughes, and now you're going to be asking them to play 23, 24, 25 minutes a game. So this, if it is a loss of Tyler Myers, and I really hope it isn't because you know what? People have been ripping on him. He took a million penalties in the first series. He took a million penalties as this postseason has gone on, but you really need him if you want this team to keep rolling, and I think that what we saw him go into the boards and the way that he skated off and stayed on the ice for a minute, it scares me to think that because I, from the reaction, I, I would expect Tyler Myers to be out. Yeah, um, and
0: we're not going to know at all till no, right before game. We're time. not going to know anything. We're not going to know if it's unless three days. We're not going to know if it's three weeks. We're not going to know if it's three months unless. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Grant. Get some get some info for us.
1: Perfect, that's what I was trying to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, that's the thing, right? Is like, yeah, he's a whipping boy in the market you know, nobody's saying he's not. We need Uh, him now. (laughs) We need him. Like, the Canucks really do need this guy. And, you know, when people criticize him, I don't think anybody's saying like, oh, the Canucks don't need this guy. Like, I don't think when anybody criticizes Tyler Myers, they're following it up by saying, get this guy out of the lineup of Brogan Rafferty in there. Oh, I've
1: seen those takes though.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, Some people have put that take. I like Brogan Rafferty, but come on. Like, that's, oh, anyways, I'm not, I'm not giving that take uh, at all. Tyler Myers is important to this team. He, Took some bad penalties. He wasn't great defensively. I criticized him Here's on the a, show the other day. The other,
1: other week. thing though is next defenseman that goes down, if it's Fandenberg or Jordy Ben that goes down, it is Raff. like it's gotta be Rafferty at Chelsea. Oh, no, he won't go with another lefty. Oh, on the right side. Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. I know like, what you're you know, saying. If, yep. it's, if yep. it's Stetcher, if it's Ben, even if it's Tanef. Well, you know what? Like you then you would have to start to think like even if it's a left shot guy. Jordy ben hops over to the left side or Jordy ben hops up into a top four. Oh my gosh you're hurting my brain this is like a maze that i'm trying to follow it is with my I, head. like no matter what i still think that you're getting a right shot i think you're getting rafferty in there after wow. the next injury and you know what like i hate to say it but there are gonna start to be some injuries here pretty soon this blues team is gonna be ragging on them and you hope it's none of your top guys and you hope it's nobody but like it's the playoffs man like Injuries happen. You're going into. You're playing so many games. The Canucks are going to play back-to-back games before we podcast next, and I think that's going to be tough. But um, I think one of the final things I wanted to talk about was Jake for 10. Hmm. who played just over five minutes, I believe. Yeah, I. You know what? McEwen's played better than him.
0: Like I, I gotta say it. Like McEwen, McEwen's had an objectively better postseason. Yeah, five thirty-four for Jake. Yeah, um, you know. Jake's done a few things. Like, I, I haven't hated Jake's game, but, you know, when you look at McEwen and, you know, Jeremy Davis had a really good article for Canucks Army um, about how McEwen led all Canucks in that wild series and expected goals for. And he played really well again tonight, or Friday night. I don't know. You're going to be listening to this early Saturday they morning. They get it. Don't worry about it. So Friday, Friday night, McEwen has a pretty good game. And once again, it, you know, we saw it. Zach goes on to the third line. Jake goes down to the fourth line, right? And Jake, again, is playing those sheltered minutes toward the end. You know, it was Tyler Mott, Brandon Sutter, and JT Miller. It was a heavy dose of that, which, what a line, right? The NHL would tweet that out and say, what a line. Tyler Mott, Brandon Sutter, JT Miller, what a line. (laughs) Anyway, I, I just, you know, Jake just hasn't shown enough, I don't think. And I mean, you know, for a guy who's an RFA you want him to have an impact. I really liked him fighting Ryan Hartman in that wild series. Totally. I think that's the best thing he's done. But then all Zach drops the
1: gloves. Zach drops the gloves tonight. The big fella drops the gloves the and you're like, Okay. You're you're totally right. If if Toffoli magically appears yep. on Sunday and he's ready to play. And who knows, he very well could. Totally. Like, he totally could. And you know, Jake Britannon is the guy who comes out. It's either yeah. him or Roussel. I don't think it's Roussel. And I don't I think, think it's Jake. Roussel either. I, I think, think you, it's Jake. I think Travis likes having Roussel in the lineup just because yep. of what he's going to bring, what he's going to agitate. But he also knows that sometimes you just got to, you got to sit Roussel in the third period. You don't want a bad penalty. Yep. But you want him to continue. You want him to start a game with a little bit and get the team fired up. You want him to play his game, right? Yeah, totally. That's
0: You know, he's someone that's performed well for them. Through the Wild Series, even in this series, Like just you, you can't help but laugh, right? Just like... You know, a whistle goes, there's a shot from 40 feet away, goalie catches it, everybody's kind of skating, and Roussel gets within centimeters of the goalie yeah, for totally. no reason. And yeah, it's, it's like... It's what you want to see in the playoffs. It's, it's exactly... And then the, the defender or the goalie reacts, right? And mm-hmm. somebody reacts It gives him that reaction that he wants. And it's exactly what he wants, right? Totally. And I mean... You just, I don't know. You you just look at it, and I I can't help but think that it, yeah, it's gonna be Jake that comes out when Tofoli's eventually healthy. But yeah. who knows when that's gonna be, and who knows
1: if Tyler Myers gonna be in next game? We're literally not gonna know anything until until the puck draw or until the pregame warm up. Yeah, you know, and that's too bad. But I think we'll you know we'll be able to tell something pretty quick if if you see a Chatfield. Well, I mean, then you won't see Tyler Meyer. So yeah, you're gonna we're gonna have to wait till right before game time on Sunday, yeah. unfortunately, which sucks big time uh with this bubble stuff but you know that's going to be the way i don't think we're going to get an update um travis green's not going to tell us you know on saturday oh he's unfit to play by the way for the next two to four weeks like no we're not going to get a timeline you don't get a timeline in covid yeah exactly so man if yeah like i said that's like it's not the it's not a take that a lot of people want to hear but it is jake Fertana that needs to come out you know, for, like McEwen was good. McEwan had really good, McKeown had good numbers on the couple shifts that he had with the Sutter line. He had really good numbers when he played with Horvat, and he actually played twice as much with Horvat uh, on Friday night than he did with Brandon Sutter, and he played more on both those lines than he did with Jay Beagle, which is where he started that night. So obviously, like, there was something about the Big Fella's game that was going right off the bat, and Travis Green wanted to use him in a role, and you know what? Like, this is the thing, like, he's skating, he's a great skater. He's gonna get involved in the forecheck, and he's he's pretty good in his own defensive zone. And he drops the gloves. Like, what What else could you want from a guy yeah, who's going to be a totally. fourth-line player who can maybe move up?
0: He's an ideal fourth-line player.
1: Totally. That's exactly what
0: he is, right? Yeah. And, I mean, if you have the option of putting him there, again, you've got Louis Erickson still. And, again, like, you know what? I will say, with his play on Friday night, like, if Toffoli were healthy for next game, I think the move for Green would be having Toffoli back on that second, or putting him on that second There's line. no chance he would do that, though.
1: You don't After think two so? two
0: wins... Yeah. There's no chance. So you so, think, so you think he's going on the third line. It's fully yep. healthy. Yeah. He'll you play with Brand that, eh? Sutter. Yeah. Huh. Which is See, crazy. that's what I was saying. And people were like ragging me for it on the Monday mailbag, but you know, now it, like I use the term, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But why not upgrade it? Right? Like, does the second line become less playable without Louis Erickson? And Toffoli on there, like Louis Erickson didn't have a great game tonight. I, you know, he did the little things well. Got to give him credit, but he didn't have a great game on Friday night. I mean, it, it to me, it, it just looks like you you wouldn't
1: be hurting the lineup if you put Tyler Toffoli in. I think what you're going to do if you if you were to put Toffoli on that line, you're putting a guy who can contribute to help you score goals on a line with two guys that are hot. Yeah, you know, Zoolander hot. Right yep. now, have you ever seen Zoolander, the movie? Or are you too young? Nope,
0: never seen it. Man, that's,
1: that's uh, Ben Stiller, yeah, Owen Wilson, yeah. I know the cast, yeah, Will Farrell's really funny in it, but nope, um, did not know he was in it, yeah. But uh, man, okay, yeah, you're so young, you have to watch Zoolander. <laughs> um, but I think that, yeah, that's the thing. Like, would you want to throw this to Foley, the guy that you got to really help your top six in the playoffs? Would you throw him into the lineup right now and take out Louis Erickson, even after you just got two wins, like to Foley? if he's healthy he was but the thing he was bad in game 1 like you have to remember how bad he was in that first game was he injured in that game one possibly cuz i didn't see him get hit he finished the game i think and he didn't look fine you know, yeah he looked fine but now we see him out and injured so maybe 100% Louis Erickson is better than an 80% tyler Toffoli, and that's kind of what travis green talked about mm-hmm. last week right so i think that's what he's going to be going with and i don't think he takes Toffoli out. i think i think an 80% Toffoli is better than a than a 100% jake vertanen but that's that's the only thing. Like, Toffoli on the third line, I just, I just something about that feel with him as Brandon Sutter as the center and, and Roussel on the other side doesn't doesn't fit to me. Like, it doesn't feel like a line. Like, it feels like it's got three guys doing three different things.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. And that's, again, that's why I think it's going to be, like, if, unless Louis Erickson has a crazy game three, right, on Sunday evening, and then Toffoli was better
1: for Monday. He almost scored tonight, too, though. Yeah, that one in front where he just swung and missed. Yeah, but... The, like, three seconds. He always but, swings and misses. Yeah,
0: come on. like I, I'm shots. the biggest Louis Erickson supporter, I think, in the market. And oh, I'm saying, like, this guy's got to come out, right? Like, I don't know. I just don't think he played well enough tonight, Friday night, to justify keeping Tyler Toffoli out if he were healthy. Again, this might not even matter at all because we have absolutely no idea the status of Tyler Defoley. It's hard to speak on it when you actually
1: have no idea. So, I mean... Do you have anything else you want to add? No, Louis Erickson, 19 13 of ice time, two shots on goal. The guy's on fire right now. <laughs> just ridiculous oh numbers from Louis Erickson. He's even have zero shots. Yeah, like no, that Bummelius like, Pedersen. He's pointing stat lines up like he is. Like, he's pointing up stats, which is yep. something we haven't seen from him at all. So, Man, how good has Pedersen been? Oh, man. He blocked Sorry, I just got the blocked numbers blocked in front of me here. Shot. I'm looking at Chris Tanev, like led the team in ice time, 28 37. Oh, my god. This is the shot share that he had. On the ice for six shots for, on the ice for 19 shots against. Oh, my gosh. That's it. That's including penalty kill, obviously. But, like, a that's beauty. a tough night for that guy to play. <laughs> yeah. You know, to only be on the ice, like, because obviously he's not getting power play time. He's going to be doing a lot of penalty kill. Yep. So, obviously, like, the number is going to be tilted for sure. But, man, that's a tough one to watch. Um, but, yeah, I just think that. You know, has been unreal. I think I tweeted out a stat, someone like he was on the ice for 12 goals, four and only three against in the postseason. I think that's changed to 14 and four now. That's insane. That's insane for this guy to be leading them right now. So um, yeah, I'm just excited to move into game three. I, Like I said, I think that they're going to come back. And you know, what? we're not going to be recording until after game four. So we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, on our show that we record on Tuesday is when we're going to be recording it. You're going to be remote recording it from an undisclosed area Attaboy. in British Columbia. <laughs> Probably wasted. Probably I, no. Probably six to, six to ten well, White Claws I'm
0: a professional.
1: Crown Royal flowing through you. No. I'm a professional. You know that. You Come know. on. All right. Whatever you say. Yeah, you could tell you how professional you were from your live Zephyr ad.
0: Hey, that was wonderful.
1: Yeah, it was probably my fault cutting you off three times. Yeah, exactly. You're like halfway through spelling out Zephyr. Jumping
0: in on your live ad. (laughs) Anyway, I think that's a good place to wrap the show. We're going to have to wait and see who's healthy, who's not going into game three and four. For Chris Faber, my name is David Quadrelli, and you've been listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation.